but to express it like that it takes a bit of courage to get up here and just appreciate you doing that. Wayne, and uh, honestly, you probably did more then than, than I could do to talk about empath. so thank you. Well, in case you haven't noticed, I'm not Jossie Chaco. I'm sorry about that. He is far more better looking than I am, right? Uh, let's face it, he's a little bit more Indian looking than I am, yeah? So my apologies, Jossie is in India attending uh, the funeral of his aunt, so he sends his apologies for a few days this week. It looked like it was just a no-go at all to see Jossie. That's okay, that's life, that happens. But really, um, he's been really gracious and I know he's changed some things around and he's going to be with us here on May the 21st, barring no other hiccups in the process. So that'll be fantastic. That's a today fortnight. So we're thrilled about that. But today, we've switched things around and I just want to share the broad strokes of Beyond and what that's all about First thing to say is we are bringing Vision Builders to a close. We're not quite there. The Vision Builders season was three years. When we talked to other pastors about how to do that, how to pull it off, they said, man, three years will be hard work, and it has been, if we're honest. But who remembers back? Three years ago, we started. Bill Heibel stood on this stage right here and launched us. Remember that? And the most visible thing that we did was certainly change our uh, complex here and if we have a look at the stage, who can remember that? That, that good old... Uh, can you believe that that was over there? That was the heart of our church. I used to say, that's Mayfair and Park Lane on the Monopoly board, right? Right over there, and that's the centre. And right behind those doors, we kept our mowers and our gardening equipment. And one day, somebody said, man, we've got to use this place better. And we're seeing this venue and this complex used incredibly because it's moved on and it's changed into what we see today, um, which is this. And that is because of you. Honestly, it's because of the faithful giving of men and women that said, right, we're ready to move on into this next phase. And, you know, the truth is we can look at our pledges. We had hoped to, to hit our pledge mark and it would have been fantastic if we did. But I don't want to miss the celebration that this church has given over $900,000 in the last three years. And it's actually still going up as the final pledges come in. So can you give yourself a hand, honestly, our church, just for being a part of doing something fantastic here in our community. So you can still give and your giving matters. Let me tell you, uh, Jess and I actually yet to give our final instalment. We'll be doing that and that will make a big dent or a big push-off for us to be able to launch into beyond in a healthier and a better way. So uh, you've got about a week to do that. But today we launch beyond. And really, I love the freshness of that. We want to move on into the new things that God has got for us um, on, this, you know, on this day. We want to move on into the next chapter. And um, that's why we've shifted. That's why we've moved on. We want to think and move beyond ourselves. You know, this month uh, reminds us of that fact that we've got to move beyond. You know, if there's a drift in the heart of mankind, it's actually to drift back to ourselves. If you think about your own life, if we're all going to put a hand up, I think we'd all put our hand up here this morning and say, yeah, that's true. We tend to not drift outward we drift back inward. And that's why I honestly think months like this in the life of the church are really important because it just reminds us that we're not just here for ourselves. 
you look at the narrative of the children of Israel as they came out of Egypt, constantly having to come back, sort out their hearts, become wholehearted to remember the purpose that God's given them. So while in other months of this year we'll do some ministry into our hearts, we'll challenge ourselves, we'll grow, there might not be a more important month than May where we remind ourselves that God's mission for the church wasn't just to meet its own needs, but to meet the needs of the world. And that's what this is all about. The key scripture, of course, 2 Corinthians 8, 3-4, I testify that they were... That they gave as much as they were able and even beyond their ability entirely on their own they urgently pleaded for us the privilege of sharing with the saints you know that passage of scripture excites me it's uh, on the front of your little handout that you that you saw as you came in I think it was on your seats that passage of scripture speaks about a group of people that saw bigger than themselves that's what God is calling Catalyst to. I would love it if at the end of my life somebody said, you know, that Karl Matzelberg, he thought beyond himself. He didn't just settle for the average. He was willing to be stretched. He was willing to give. He was willing to go beyond and, and think of others. And that's what we're reminding of ourselves of this month. So I'm going to talk about three big movers in our Beyond campaign, just a 12-month campaign, three big movers. I think they're going to be challenging, but I think they're exciting. Before I get there, I just want to talk about uh, the things that we're currently giving to. Just briefly mention them. I'm aware there's a whole bunch of new people in the church, and even after the first service, I've had people coming up. First time, they'd heard about some of these things. So let's go through them fairly quickly. What are we going to continue to give to? The first one is vital. Vital stands for values integrated through action-based learning. You know, really in my words, it's just a paradigm of how we love God and how we receive God's love in community. Uh, that group or organisation with the leadership of Russ and Cheryl Wright works mainly in schools and young people but can be any target group. And can I just say, I don't know that we'll ever fully understand um, how much vital has made a difference not just in the life of this church but in the life of uh, communities and students and churches throughout Australia that's I don't think that's a, an exaggerated statement just this week alone we had three of our own people again go and get trained most of our staff are trained so much of the ethos and values of of what we've learnt through vital which is really again a paradigm of how we love um, have been expressed here in Catalyst. Even this week, we're trying something new in one of our groups. We're using some of the skills that we've learnt there. So we're going to keep supporting Vital. By the way, it's the single biggest area that we give to is Vital and the ministry of Russ and Cheryl Wright. We're going to have a story Sunday in a few weeks and we're going to hear some of the cool stories uh, from them. Next one, Gateway Children's Fund. Going to move fast. You know, this works through the local church to fight the cycle of poverty, to encourage and love children pra practically. It encourages, it feeds, it cares, and honestly, it's changing communities in Papua New Guinea. And um, by the way, Pastor Rick, who leads this ministry, has been really ill lately, so keep him, him in your prayers. Empart, I'm coming to. It's one of our big movers. Number four, CAP. A CAP debt centre based in Catalyst here practically helps with the crippling effects of debt. 
You know, just this week, I spent an hour or so with a gentleman by the name of Peter. Now, Peter was uh, sitting down the back there in the first service. Uh, this is a, a lovely man. But this man has been rescued, quite literally, by our Cap Debt Centre. And we've come alongside him and we've released him from the distress and the crippling effects of debt on his life. And you know what? That help, that coming alongside has caused him to say, I've got to know more about faith. And for the last umpteen weeks, he's been coming along to church, particularly through Alpha. This morning, he sat in our service, having been in an all-night night shift. And he said to me, if I go to bed, I won't be able to get back up again. So he came to our first service, and probably right now, he's, he's asleep. But the point to all that is this transformation of lives happening through CAP. And one of the things I love about CAP is it makes sense to people in our community. Last week I was sitting next to a guy at a breakfast and he was a big, lovely guy, but quite anti-God, a little bit gruff. And he was just sitting there and he had, had a few things to say about church and what he disagrees with the Bible. And we were having a pretty robust conversation and he finally said to me, well, what do you do anyway during the week? <clears throat> you know, and I love that question because people think, I don't know what they think, that I get up on Sunday morning and we say a few prayers and, you know, that's it. That's my job for the week. And I said, well, for a start, you know, we've got about 15 to 20 staff. And he, he went, what? You have 15 or 20 staff? Yeah, and we care and we love and show grace. We do all these things. We help in the lives of people. But one of my always go-tos is cap because it makes sense to just your average everyday bloke. When I started talking about Cap, he sort of lit up because he understands what money does to people, how debt just ties people up. And it was really interesting. By the end of the conversation, he'd really come around and uh, he sort of made a deal with me. He said, well, if you come to my thing, he's got an organisation, if you come to my thing, <clears throat> I might come to your church one day. And I said, all right, deal. And I didn't think he expected me to say that. And he sort of did a beeline for the door and he was out of there. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to hold him to it. But that's Cap, doing great things. Uh, coach, uh, truthfully, we don't invest masses of money into that. Just a licensing fee. It's all volunteer run. Mandy and Richard and, of course, a, a host of volunteers. We're new at this. It's early days. There isn't heaps of stories. We've got a couple of cool stories we're going to share on our story Sundays. But what it's all about is people mentoring people that are going through a tough time, both from our own church and the community. They're saying, I'll be there long term. I'll come alongside. I'll just be somebody that can support you and help you out of the, just the, the life stage you're in. And that, if that's not love, I don't know what is. Next one is CRI, Christian Religious Instructions in Schools. You know, Catalyst does not own CRI. I want to be very clear that there is a, a lot of volunteers across Ipswich, but We've been really instrumental. Susie Overall, who leads CRI, comes from this church, and many of you know uh, Susie, of course. You know, in the last five years, we've seen CRI move from uh, about 2,200, by memory's sake, young people getting the gospel shared with them each week to over now 5,000 in the city, in the region of Ipswich. 5,000 in the city of Ipswich, that's outstanding. It's an incredible work. And again, that's why we're saying we're a part of that. We're going to invest in it. It's not the most glamorous thing. I wouldn't talk to my mate at a breakfast about it. It wouldn't make sense. But we know 
it's making an incredible difference that's going to be bearing fruit in years to come. And then schools is our final really big key area. We'll talk about that in a minute as well. In different ways also we support compassion. I think we give about $40,000 a year through personal sponsorships. Operation Christmas Child, uh, Red Frogs, um, A2A in different ways. Certainly, here's, here's one you might not be aware of for old timers. We support Pastor Vince and Denise Esterman, the founding pastors of our church, just in a small way, really seed funding that supports them. But all of that, being challenged, wanting to stretch ourselves like that scripture tells us, we want to give beyond. So we've got this great enterprise, mission venture as a church that this month is all about. But three things now, the three big movers that this church is going to give to. I just want to highlight them and then we're going to wrap up and be challenged in the scripture. Uh, the first one, we've already focused on it here this morning, is Empire. You know, can I say, add my voice to the many voices, this ministry is outstanding. It's outstanding. You know, if somebody came to you, can you imagine this vision only about 15 years ago? My vision is to see 100,000 churches, churches, not people in a church, churches planted in northern India, one of the toughest places to do church work in the world. I don't know what you would have thought about that. So what a great dream. But there's plenty of people saying things like that. Well, Empire are on their way to seeing that happen. You know, presently, they're ahead of the curve to see it happen. They're currently at about 25,000 churches planted in northern India. It's absolutely extraordinary. Pastor Joe, who so you saw on the screen there, when I first met with him, I think it was about five years ago, met him, he was leading you know, a few hundred pastors. Now he leads about 4,000 pastors, not churches, pastors, who in themselves lead multiple churches, many of these pastors. Incredible. When he began with Empire, I think he had a church of about 40. He now has his own church, 4,000 pastors, and he runs a school as well. Such is the impact of this ministry. And what we're seeing at the moment is God's hand on this ministry. Uh, in this area. Now likely we'll hear more from the vision from Jossie but in a nutshell they disciple young men and young women, locals, to go out there and exponentially reach their nation. Their whole goal is to have 100 training centres. They know if they get 100 training centres they will reach the goal of uh, 100,000 churches planted in northern India and currently they're at about 52. Now this is why they're the big mover on our list. We part fund one of those centres. We're currently at about $10,000. To fully fund it, we only have to move from ten dollars to $25,000. That is something I believe Catalyst can do. That would be a major accomplishment for our church. Now hear what I am about to say the right way. There may be nothing you do in this lifetime that has greater impact than being a part of funding that centre. I'll just say it again. There may be nothing you do in this lifetime that has greater impact than being a part of funding that centre. Now I know that's a big statement. I know that overlooks what you will do personally and, and uh, those things have a different category of ramifications. But 
if you look at it, just doing the math, we fund a centre, a regional centre. It produces about 30 pastors a year who will birth about three churches each, meaning around about 90 to 100 churches are planted each year, which means about 4,000 people, one for Christ every single year, and about another 30 pastors trained every single year going out and producing another 30 uh, 90 to 100 churches. Now you just do the figures there and start, you start to get an exponential effect where this thing grows and it grows and it grows and it's why it's currently at about 25,000 churches again in northern India where most mission organisations have said we can't do it in northern India, it's too hard. They're doing an exceptional job. Can we do our job? You know, talking to their leadership they were telling us they're probably at their most critical phase ever. They, they need the world really to get alongside what God is breathing on currently. And for us to do that, $10,000 to $25,000. If we do that, we change the lives of people, thousands of people, thousands of people into eternity. So it's a big jump, but I think we can do it. What's our next big mover? It's our schools ministry. You know, this year we've actually really invested into our high school ministry. Um, we want to continue to invest in this, you know, in a massive way. In the last few months, we've actually really seen the fruit of this high school ministry. First up, we want to play to our strengths. There's a good-looking guy up there. Yeah, Joseph is amazing, isn't he? He's, a, he's an awesome-looking guy. And there's also Anton on that, on that screen there. Not at all. He's a, he's a great guy. You know... Um, Anton has just come into the youth leadership in our church like a real veteran. He would be the first to admit he stands on the shoulders of Tim Cochran and those that have gone before. But, you know, Anton has just real passion for evangelism. He's got a passion to mobilise. He's got a faith-filled sort of desire to touch the schools of Ipswich. And I just feel like, man, we have this asset in our midst. We've got to use that asset. Now, because of our church budget, currently we can only fund Anton about three days a week. He's not full-time with the church. So we're funding Anton about three days a week. We want to do our best to push that up to full-time. Uh, our first step is probably to get it to about four days a week, an extra day in the school so he can devote it to his passion of breaking into the schools and in different ways mobilising people to be a part of those schools. Currently, uh, we're massively well supported at Ipswich State High School. God's incredible favour is on us in that school. Their principal who's been to this church honestly loves Catalyst and there's story on story that backs that up. But we want to move beyond that. Other churches are beginning to invite us in. Anton just told me just five minutes ago that the door opened for Bremer State High School just this week and he goes in there on Monday, right? So there's another door open. Fantastic. We'd love to get into Westmac and, and some of the other schools. Now, the limiting factor on all of this is just time. And if we invest in Anton, Anton goes in there and he mobilises us as a church to get in there alongside him. And we see real mission take place. We see the lives of young people changed. Now, here's the sweetener in the whole deal. Uh, we've got pays coming alongside. Most of you are aware that we've got a bunch of overseas interns with us uh, for the last year working alongside. Their heart is to disciple these young people and really see them grow. 
Uh, if you're a Paisy, can you just stand up for a minute just in case people don't know you? Got three there, I think you've got some serving upstairs. One, two, three, four. Who am I missing? And Julie is somewhere else. She's Julie was singing this morning. You know, thanks to you guys, doing an incredible work. What we want to see though is another Pays team come on. Now there's an investment of finance to do that. It's about $20,000 of just real money. Obviously there's other investments that go with that, but real money, $20,000, that's a challenge. But think about that again, $20,000, five full-time workers in the school, I think is amazing. I think it's, it's incredible and I think um, add that to Anton working with, mobilising other workers and we'll see incredible things happen. So I just want to challenge you on that. Imagine what can happen if we up that in our next level of giving. Think about how we'll reach people. So if we pause at this moment, I just want to show you the following picture, a bit of a graphical uh, representation. You know, this year, because Vision Builders have essentially stopped, we don't have to keep uh, giving into the work at the church. We can really reinvest back into our external missions. We grow by about 40%. And obviously, uh, schools and MPART receive a really big whack of that funding. Here's the next zone that I want to talk about is our kids blitz zone, our next big mover. We've been unapologetic that you know this complex is a big part of the vision of our church. The last, I'm telling you, the last few years we've been amazed as we've upgraded over there. Our community has grabbed hold of it and there's hardly a day of the week you can come here now and there's not community groups using it and being a part of it. And we're thrilled with that. We're thrilled with the way we've been able to bless and be a part of our community. But a spin-off benefit that we probably didn't quite see coming was the possibility of moving kids blitz into the old cafe area. Now, most of you are aware that that's happened. Truthfully, it's been a, a huge success. Everyone's raving about it. Um, it's roomier, it's closer, it's better equipped. Kids feel more comfortable, parents feel more comfortable. Uh, everything is a plus, except for one thing. Somebody tell me what that one thing is. It's hot. It's stinking hot. And we've got some graphics up there. These are actual pictures of children, actually. Um, and uh, we think we're about to find out that in winter it's also pretty cold. Now, we sit in this beautiful air-conditioned auditorium. We love it. We can hear God's word. We worship together. I think we can invest in our children in the same way. You know, over there to make that happen, truthfully, Greg Smith's done a, a fantastic job crunching numbers, working with tradies, and uh, all we need to do is put a suspended ceiling in, uh, some insulation. Maybe we'll put a wall down the middle. We're working that out. And put air conditioners around the whole lot. All of that will cost about $50,000 to make that whole thing happen. Which again, I don't think is a whole lot to invest in our children. I wanted to add too, mainly music use that whole area. Sometimes they get upwards of 50 people in that area on a Tuesday reaching out to our community, uh, mums and dads and little ones. Now as a bit of a sign that God's favour is already on this thinking, we've had a fairly new family to the church, maybe they had to take their child to hospital or something at the end of one of the January services, I don't know. 
But a fairly new family came and they said, look, we want to pledge just straight up $6,000 towards that. And on top of that, a government grant that we applied for for this came in just in the last week uh, for $5,000. So we're on our way, $11,000 already pledged towards the 50. Uh, I think God's favour is on that and it's yet another step we can take to invest in our future. So these things are challenges. These are our three big movers here at Catalyst. But as I finish now, I just want to talk about what the scripture talks about, how the scripture encourages us in this challenge that's ahead of us. And I want to once again have a look at that passage of scripture in 2 Corinthians. It says this, For I testify that they gave as much as they were able and even beyond their ability, entirely on their own, they urgently pleaded with us for the privilege of sharing in this service to the saints and they exceeded our expectations. We're actually going to share communion as we look at this passage of scripture and if those responsible could come and hand that out, that would be fantastic. I want to highlight two words that jump out at me in that passage of scripture. I mean, there's heaps of words, to be honest, but two really stood out. And the first one comes from the theme of our conference, Beyond. Beyond. You know, they gave beyond their ability. You know what? We're being inspired here by a little church in Macedonia. You know, doing a bit of research into this church, you find out that they should not have been able to give so well. This is actually what catches Paul's attention. And when you examine in history a bit about that church, you find out that they're not like us. The Corinthian church, pretty affluent. They have the means and the ability. But the Macedonian church, you should probably think a church maybe in Haiti or maybe the Syrian Christian church at the moment. Somebody that is going through a really tough time. If you think about those churches, you start to get a picture of what the Macedonian church was like and yet Paul says they gave beyond they gave beyond you know that word in the Greek means things like they exceeded their capacity they went beyond what they were able to do I thought about it a little bit like this water bottle you know it'd be just like me if I said trying to give the analogy that Paul gave that if I said to you, how much water can I get from this bottle? You say, well, yeah, somewhere up around there. That's what you can do. That's your capacity. And Paul's trying to make the point that they gave beyond their capacity. It's a bit like they tipped it out. And when everybody tipped it out at the end, they, they expected this much, but they got this much. They went beyond what was possible to do. Now, that's so often what happens when we give. It's so often what happens when we're challenged in this one that God somehow touches our giving miraculously because the finances of God, honestly, they work differently. When God looks down and he sees that generous heart, something happens and suddenly we go, I don't know how it's happened. Generosity comes together with a bit of faith and we have more than we ever expected. Some sort of miracle has happened here. And it's what happened in the life of the Macedonians. They went beyond. It shouldn't have been possible. Now Paul is writing to the Corinthians. If he was writing modern day, this could be the book of Catalyst. 
Honestly, it could be Catalyst chapter 8 that we're reading from. Such is the point that Paul is making. He's saying, I know you're a totally different church and I know you've got totally different issues, but can I just show you the Macedonians over here? They, they should not have been... It, that is not possible what happened. But they went beyond. And if it was here today, he'd say, Catalyst, I know... Western church, all sorts of great things going on and pressures in your life and issues. But can I just show you the Syrian church shouldn't be but they went beyond their capacity to give. And Paul is saying to us as a church, I want you to think beyond. Maybe already here today you've thought that's my level. That would be okay right there that's that's what I can give I've got a neat little bottle and Paul honestly he'd be challenging Catalyst Church like he challenged the Corinthian Church think beyond stretch your thinking see there's something I believe that happens in God's economy in God's way of seeing things when he sees people that have a line and go above it because God's looking for hearts and minds of people that are outrageously generous. That's what he's searching for. It's not so much about the amount, but about the way we give, about what ultimately is even left. And in the same way, I want to encourage this church. You know, the thing about spiritual giving is it's not so much about that actual amount, the amount that you exceed expectations is what... God is looking for. Listen to this quote from Charles Spurgeon. He says, Our gifts are not to be measured by the amount we contribute, but by the surplus we've kept in our own hand. That make you feel a bit uncomfortable. Makes me feel a bit uncomfortable, a bit challenged. But God looks on it, on the way we give in a totally different way. Just think about the widow's might for a second. All these people are coming to give great amounts. But the amount that God points out, that Jesus points out, is a little lady who gives two coins because it's all she's got. So enamored is she with the generosity, with a heart of generosity to give to God's work. She spared nothing. So today, it's a challenge to us. I believe God is looking at us. I believe he's looking for generous hearts. He be, I believe he's stretching us. And I challenge this church to let yourself be stretched. To be challenged in your own heart about your giving. It does you good. But scripture doesn't leave it there. Have a look at what it says next. It says that they urgently pleaded. They urgently pleaded for the pleasure and the privilege of giving. Listen to that. That is... Is outrageous. It's not just they've, they've given beyond that they've stretched themselves, but now they've urgently pleaded for the right to be a part of giving. If we're truthful here this morning, at best, we're like, okay, it's May again. It's that time of year where we're going to give. I'm okay with that. Let me start to prepare my heart and maybe, God, I'll squeeze something out. I hope that you're happy with it. But their whole heart attitude has got to be one that challenges us because it speaks to hearts that are 
wholehearted, right, before God, that are just enamoured with God. It says that they urgently pleaded with God. They were saying, don't, hey, we hear there's an offering going on. Anybody here saying that this morning? We've heard. Don't leave us out. Don't leave us out. Why is that happening? What are they saying? They're saying, pick me. Pick me. Don't leave me out. It's like that kid in grade three. Everyone remember that, that kid? And you'd have your hand up for something and be like, the teacher's like, who's going to come out the front? We're going to play heads down, thumbs up or whatever it might be, right? But there was always some kid in the back who was just so enthusiastic. He was like, pick me. Pick, don't think, pick me. And the whole class would sort of turn around, right? You guys remember this kid? You had him in your class, right? I had him in my class. He was in every single one of my classes. And he was just so desperate. He always put his hand around like that. Remember that kid? Pick me, pick me. And he'd be on his tiptoes. You're like, I can't compete with that kid. All right, pick him, you know? Urgently pleading. And God loves that aspect, that, that desire. And man, we've got we to be challenged in our own hearts. Let's not be begrudging and how we give, but let's be people that say, pick me. Oh God, pick me. Let me be a part of the challenge of giving to your work. It says they urgently pleaded. Urgently pleaded. I'm not exaggerating. It says that. Now I've seen enthusiasm at Broncos games. You know, I was there a few weeks ago and they were giving out t-shirts, probably 20 bucks worth, right? I saw adults, pick me, you know, up in the crowd, they were throwing, pick me. I've seen urgency with little kids and ice cream, pick me. Well, that's the sort of urgency that we're being challenged to today as we consider what we're going to give. They urgently pleaded. So we're challenged here this morning, the bar is high. And not only is the bar high above what we can, we can give, we've got to have the right attitude about it. That's what the scripture does to us, always pushing us on. Because God's interested in our heart, right? This is far more than just about a dollar amount. This is far more about what God's going to do in your heart, that urgency to give. So how do we give? How do we do that? Is it just guilt? Is it just the, the great vision that we've got? Well, the scripture tells us how we do that. You know, there's two Bible characters that have really challenged me lately. Tell me, somebody, who's the only person in the Bible that went to Jesus happy and then went away sad? Somebody tell me who that character is. Rich young ruler. If you don't know the story, he's got everything. Lives a moral life. Perfect. He goes up to Jesus and Jesus nails him and says, all you've got to do is give everything, just everything you've got. And that's too much for the rich young ruler and of course he walks away sad. He can't go that far. He, I can't give that much. I, no, I just can't. It's too much. Grieved him in his heart. The other challenging character was Zacchaeus who climbed a tree to see Jesus. And Zacchaeus essentially gives everything. He gives, gives heaps, we find out later on. But somebody tell me, how much did Zacchaeus 
get asked to give by Jesus? How much did Jesus ask Zacchaeus to give? Nothing. Not a cent. Nothing. He had lunch with him at his house. Zacchaeus even foots the bill. Zacchaeus is a lying, stealing cheat. He's a messed up soul. Jesus asked of him nothing. The rich young ruler is about as good as you can get. And Jesus asked of him everything. That doesn't seem fair. But what is happening here is Zacchaeus is touched by the grace of God, right? Zacchaeus has had an encounter with Jesus. Zacchaeus was given the gift of grace and it changes his heart. And he's at the front of the queue and Zacchaeus is saying, pick me, pick me. What what do I do? How how do I give? You know, if you do the the math, I always remember as a little kid, he gave four times what he stole. That math doesn't add up. That doesn't make sense. At the end of the day, I reckon he gave nearly everything. Certainly you could say he gave beyond what was expected. He gave it all and he wasn't even asked to. Why? How? Because of grace. And it's the same for the Macedonians when we look at verse 1. This is the how. This is maybe the most important part of this whole scripture. It says, and now brothers and sisters, we want you to know about the grace of God that has been given to the Macedonian churches. The grace of God given to the Macedonian churches. And what is that grace? Just for a minute, have a look down at what you're holding in your hands. Because this is the grace of God. We're holding it. And they got it. And Zacchaeus got it. They understood that they had been impacted by the broken body of Jesus and by his blood that was shed. They understood that they were touched, they were impacted by a gift that was of supernatural proportions. And after, I think, meditating on the grace of Jesus Christ, what he did for them in their life, it changed something inside them. And the rich young ruler, he couldn't see it. But Zacchaeus saw it and the Macedonians saw it. And that is that sacrificial enabling grace of Jesus Christ that allowed them to give wholeheartedly. But I just want to point out one thing first. Listen to verse 5. It says, They gave themselves first of all to the Lord and then by the will of God to us also. You see, they gave themselves to God. Their first response was to give themselves back to Jesus. The giving is a secondary deal. The first deal is my relationship with him. God, touch my heart. I give you everything wholeheartedly. And so to Zacchaeus, he was asked to give, well, he felt the prompt four times. What is God going to ask of you? How is he going to challenge your heart? You know, what are you going to do? How are you going to respond to that grace of Jesus and when God touches your heart you know the next part is easy the next part's simple it's like I'm, I'll give you know I was sitting in our pastors and leaders meeting in India and uh, I suddenly started taking up an offering these poor pastors that are running two and three churches and are 
living on almost nothing. And next thing, at the end of the service, we're getting handed 500 rupee notes, all of us that were sharing as a team. And I realised they took up an offering for us. I mean, you know what I did with that thing? I framed it and it sits in my office in a frame. It just reminds me of what happens when the grace of God touches your life, how generosity is just the very next step. So I'm going to bring a challenge. When you look at this bread and this cup that's in your hand, it might sound challenging. What do you see? Are you a rich young ruler who says that's too much? It's far too much. Or are you a Zacchaeus or a Macedonian that says, God, you've got my life. What are you asking of me? You paid a price for me. You gave your life for me. And so God, it's not out of obligation now, it's not out of pressure, it's not out of guilt, but it's just out of joy that I give back to you. There's a words to an old hymn that are beautiful, it's one of my favourites, it says, Take my life and let it be consecrated, Lord, to thee. Take my silver and my gold, not a mite would I withhold. Take myself and I will be ever only all for thee. Now why is this possible? Because Jesus gave lavishly and generously and sacrificially to us first. Let's eat and drink together and I'll pray. So Jesus, we just say thank you again for that price you paid and Lord as we stand before you today with that challenge that comes from your word that challenge that is directed at us God before we start thinking figures and worthiness and vision and all the rest God we pray that you impact our heart God Lord Jesus you overwhelm us in our hearts God with your sacrifice with what you gave to us Lord, change our heart. God, do a deep work in us. God, we pray that generosity would well up as a response. God, to what you've given to us. Lord, you free us in our day. Lord, you release us from our sin. God, you overcome in our life. And God, anything we do for you is just in response to that amazing grace of Jesus Christ that you've given us. So Lord, change us first we pray and God we pray that you give us the grace to come towards you and be wholehearted in our love and in our grace to you amen amen you know this week then or this month you've really got this whole month to consider it I encourage you to just keep meditating on it you know before again you start looking at worthiness and what we're doing think about the cross for a while think about the love and the dedication of Jesus Christ. Let that change you. And then think, how do I stretch? I know what's possible, God. Push me. Push me, Lord Jesus. Stretch me. By the way, we're not asking anyone here to sell your houses or to sell your kids or anything like that. You've got to hear me. We're just asking you to respond to the scripture and say, I'm going to give beyond. I'm going to stretch and I'm going to do it with a willing 
and a generous heart. Can I also say on Wednesday, we're looking to our church have a, a day of prayer and fasting. Maybe you'll fast a meal with us, be prayerful all day. Maybe you'll fast all day, but just encourage you to join with us in that as well. It's going to be a fantastic month. What this church can do into eternity as we give together is monumental. You know, next week, I want to say next week, Mother's Day, we're really...